Hello and welcome to The Daily Buzz, the Salt Lake Tribune's daily news podcast. I'm Peyton Harkins. Yesterday, the Utah Department of Health reported 7,033 new coronavirus cases, down from Wednesday, but we reached another record high in hospitalizations. The increase in hospitalized COVID patients happened in part because the state has been miscounting those numbers since October when they switched to a new data reporting system. The error meant some days hospitalization numbers were higher than they really were, while more recently they've been undercounting. Officials said Thursday that they fixed the issue and reported 837 hospitalizations, up from the previous record high of 776 reported Wednesday. While there have been fewer coronavirus cases reported this week compared to last, Dr. Wing Province, the medical director of Park City Hospital, told reporters Thursday the lack of available COVID tests could explain the declining case counts. One Utah who recently tested positive for COVID-19 wasn't on the state's dashboard, but that's because he's in Amsterdam. It's Utah County Attorney David Levitt. Levitt was traveling to Ukraine earlier this week to collect some personal items from his apartment there ahead of the looming Russian invasion when he got stuck. The Tribune's Jessica Miller spoke with the Utah County top prosecutor about his hasty visit to Ukraine and why he's now stuck in Amsterdam with COVID-19. Were you out traveling by yourself or were you with your family? I had my two children and... Uh, the one teenager uh, who is my uh, who is my ward. My wife and I have guardianship of a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid. He he was with us as well. And so this was just supposed to be like a quick trip, I'm guessing. Well, I learned that the American embassy was evacuating families and non-essential personnel from Ukraine, and that the LDS Church was taking all of its missionaries out of Ukraine. And when I learned that. I had to expedite a previously you know a previously planned trip to go to Ukraine to take care of some family matters there and we we own an apartment in Kiev. So when you were there, I mean, did it feel different than from your, the other times you'd been there? It felt there was a <clears throat> there was a tension and a and a feeling of foreboding. It's right on the front of everyone's mind. People are stockpiling food and people are finding different ways to heat their homes and to cook their meals. Is that what you were expecting to see when you went there? Or Well, I have a son who's a military, he's a West Point grad and has a military background uh, and was a captain in the army. And uh, and one of his expertise is, is Russian warfare. Hmm. And, um, you know, he sat down with me we, we talked on the phone as they drove to the airport with him saying, okay, uh, you, you, you got to take cash. You got to take more cash than you think you could possibly need <laughs> because um, this could happen. You know, an invasion could happen literally at any moment and, and it will happen with no warning. Suddenly what's going to happen is your cell phones aren't going to work hmm. and, and you're not going to be able to get any money out of the ATM and you have to have a plan for how you get out. And so we went through and we constructed two or three backup plans that were different than, okay, fly back, you know, drive back to the airport and, and get on a plane. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I had a, you know, we had a car rented so that, you know, we had some independence because mm-hmm. trains, trains will be swamped if they're even running. Right. And, and, and if the, if the Russians, take Kiev, they'll surround Kiev so that there's no going in or going out. And so, you know, the moment you suspect that something's up, you know, you're hightailing it out of Kiev. Right. And, and which is why we were there for 24 hours. We, we literally tried 
to be in and out of there in literally in like seven hours. Hmm. So, you know, you're making all these plans. What if the trains closed or closed, you know, all like you need to have enough cash. Were any of your concerns, hey, I might get COVID and get stuck in Amsterdam? No. no. <laughs> and now you're stuck in a hotel room near the airport in Amsterdam. Now I'm stuck in a hotel room. Thankfully, they have a bathrobe because I once I, I literally went with no with the, with the clothes on my back, and so now my clothes are uh, drip drying from my from my hotel room sink wash, and I'm uh, and here I am for the next week. If you're listening, safe travels, David. During the opening weeks of the Utah Legislature's general session, lawmakers have proposed a bill protecting the rights of Indigenous students to wear tribal regalia to their high school graduations. Southern Utah reporter Alistair Bitsoy covered the bill for the Tribune. I'm Grant Birmingham. With me now is Alistair Bitsoy, and he's been covering this bill, which is making its way through the legislature, which would ensure that students who graduate can wear their tribal regalia at their graduations. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why this bill was needed? This bill is important to Indigenous people in Utah, uh, in part because when a student does graduate from high school or celebrates an achievement, there's often backlash among the local school boards, their school systems that oppose any cultural regalia when a student celebrates. And the bill comes from the Paiute Indian tribe of Utah. Um, it was an, an ask from the tribe to the state legislature um, to sponsor this bill to ensure that uh, Native and Indigenous children or students in Utah are able to graduate and Obviously, the world is designed around a non-Native perspective, and, and so these, the, the honoring of their culture, Indigenous cultures during these celebrations makes them understand their importance to the world. There's also been some racial misunderstandings in Southern Utah, in Cedar City specifically, which is where the origi origination of the bill comes from. Um, there was a local school in Cedar City that opposed or brought issue to the to the, I guess, rung the bell on a student who wanted to wear traditional attire. And that's one way indigenous cultures celebrate who they are is through their identities. So when we're talking tribal regalia, what kind of stuff would that be? It, it'll, it depends on the tribe because all different, different tribes are different. There's a student could wear um, her, his or her hair in a, in a, in a traditional tie, such as a, I'm Danaro Navajo, so probably a Navajo bin, Navajo bun um, style, um, with a which is often tied with buckskin or hair yarn, or if it's moccasins, uh, different types of moccasins could be beaded or just buckskin, or they could just wear like a whole like full cultural attire of uh, whether it's a powwow outfit or something specific to a tribe, whether it's beaded or buckskin or velveteen uh or it could be feathers i know some students do celebrate their achievements by decorating their own capping gown which can definitely run counter to i guess what is celebrated during a regular high school a suburban high school where everyone's uniform and so i think these are different ways that students express their diversity when celebrating some such achievements and do we know anything at this point the odds of this bill getting passed I know like Representative um, Romero from my reporting had had introduced this earlier in a work session before the legislature started. So the legislature's 
seem to have a better idea of what this bill is about. And so far, it's been unanimously passing committee um, committees in the House. It did pass the full House, and then now it's up for full Senate consideration, um, this legislature. All right, Alisair Bissoy, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you, Grant. On Thursday, two Utah Senate Democrats were tossed from their committee assignments by legislative leaders without warning. The senators, Derek Kitchen of Salt Lake City and Kathleen Reby of Cottonwood Heights, had recently criticized Republicans over the lack of COVID safety precautions at the Capitol. Senate Minority Leader Karen Mayne of West Valley City, who has been away from the Capitol after she was diagnosed with cancer last week, said the decision was hers and was made because GOP senators only have two committee assignments, while Democrats, who are outnumbered by Republicans in the Senate by more than three to one, each have three committee assignments. Thanks, as always, to the Tribune's Joelle Cardenas for editing today's episode. And a big shout out to Salt Lake City's own The Pelicans for our music. I hope you'll have a great day and we'll see you here on Monday. Thank you.